everyone, and welcome back to Hope Reclaimed. I am your host, Ellie Hope Herringshaw. Remember, guys, healing has already been extended to us by Jesus 2,000 years ago on the cross. And sometimes it's our job to step in and receive that healing for ourselves. We are right now in the middle of a series on divorce prevention, and I'm so excited to continue this conversation. And we're talking about marriage counseling today. Mm, so fun, you guys. So today we are talking with my friend, Steve Weiss. He is a licensed psychologist, published author, a prolific speaker, and an ordained pastor. And he's just an overall amazing person. Um, He was a friend of my dad's when my dad was a pastor, and I knew him growing up. So it's really fun to talk with him today. He actually did the premarital counseling for me and my ex-husband as well, which is just adds a very interesting perspective, I think. Um, when I reached out to him to get together, it was it was kind of scary, honestly, but important because, you know, there were pieces that were missed and I do not blame him at all for that because I don't blame myself for those missed pieces. I never want to live with regret and I never want to live um, just feeling like I've missed something. God has worked all things together for good and just because I'm divorced doesn't mean that I'm living a less than life. So I do want to get into this episode because it is really good. It's full of just practical knowledge, you guys. So take some notes, too, if you're in, you know, able to do that. I want to encourage you to do that. But be encouraged and know that divorce prevention is possible. It's also available. And if you are in a situation where you are struggling in your marriage, there is hope. And there's healing in Jesus. And he, he wants to heal and restore your marriage. I believe that. And if that doesn't happen, if divorce is something that is chosen for you or if it's something that you choose, healing and restoration is also possible in your life. Let's dive into this episode. Be encouraged, you guys. Well, I'm really happy that you're here. Thank, thank you for you. doing this. Oh, thanks for the invite. And um, I mean, one thing that I kind of failed to to mention and remind you of before we started recording, but you did you did my premarital counseling with my ex-husband. Yes, that's crazy. I know. And I am very grateful that you're here. Yes. To do this. That's just, I mean, that's wild to me. It makes you wonder if there's about three questions we should always be asking in pre-marriage, huh? Would we have, I mean, would we have been able to no, figure it out? I really don't think so. Yeah. And um, and it's it's been so easy for me to look back on my experience and think, what if, what if, mm-hmm, what if, mm-hmm. or I could have, mm-hmm. would have, should have, I mean, all that stuff. And and that just gets us in a, I think that can be a very dangerous thing to do. Agreed. And so I think it's really good. And especially when we're talking about something as serious as divorce prevention, mm-hmm. not to look back and think, what if, what if, what if. But for those people that are in new marriages or or thinking about getting into a relationship, whether it's a, a new marriage after mm-hmm. a divorce or their first one, mm-hmm. To, to keep these things at the forefront of their mind because divorce is serious mm-hmm. and Painful. and marriages are vitally important mm-hmm. and so so to hold the the you know the preciousness of this marriage covenant mm-hmm. um, at the forefront rather than looking back and thinking what if I could have done better I really want to set that 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 there's actually hope for for mm-hmm. these relationships and so I'm I'm just really grateful that we reconnected too. Likewise. Yep. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. It's been really good. My, my dad often will reference some of your um, 
some of your writings and and things like that on the podcast. So, so your name has been dropped a couple times on this uh, podcast. <laughs> drop it, not I didn't bounce. I bet no, it, it landed very well. All of the things landed very well, and so I'm very happy to have you here. So thank, oh, thank you. you. Well, if you would just um, let my my listeners know a little bit sure. about you, about what you do, and sure, um, that'd be great. Okay. Well, I've uh, pretty much lived my professional life in two tracks. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, joking aside, I don't have a PhD, but I have two master's degrees, one in uh, a seminary degree, Master of Divinity, and then a master's in counseling. So yeah. I kind of jumped back and forth between those two things as I got into my training. But for yeah. most of my professional career, I've, I was an associate pastor at a large uh, local church here mm-hmm. for 24 years. And then I've been a licensed psychologist for 36, I think it is now. So That's great. Uh, or 34. Yeah, something along 34. I lose track anyway. You can just round it up to 36. 35. There Who's we go. Counting? 35. <laughs> and so uh, in, during that time, uh, uh, I had a, a private practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I first got started under Bill Backus, who some of your listeners mm-hmm. will probably recognize as probably the if you will, the father of Christian uh, psychology okay. in, the, in the Midwest and yeah. wrote a lot of really important uh, work. And so I was grateful to have been in a clinic with him also uh, at the same uh, church. So yeah, Bill Backus awesome. is really my mentor. Okay. And, and so, so yeah, I've been doing that. I'm not on staff right now, but mm-hmm. uh, still have my clergy c- credentials. So yeah. I, I do a few weddings now and again still. So. That's great. That's great. And you have um, a a private practice where you do counseling. Right. Yep. Right. I'm in Roseville, just a solo practice now um, yeah. on my own uh, okay. with technology. It's a lot easier to do that sort of thing. So So are you are you taking clients right now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, yeah. there you go. <laughs> my website. <laughs> Here's your, yeah, go for it. Plug it. <laughs> StephenWeese.com. Okay. And or, we will we will put all of that information in, um, in the show notes too. Great. So if people are looking for, that. for counseling, I'm, I mean, my listeners know, I'm a huge fan of counseling. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. of therapy. I think the importance of finding a good therapist is, it's just huge. It cannot be, it can't be overstressed for me. Um, we, we don't have to go with these things alone. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go with the hard Agreed. stuff alone. We can include someone else that isn't tied emotionally to our, you know, to right. our f- familial issues, yep. but somebody who can speak in and give encouragement. And um, I think so much healing happens in that way. So what you do is vitally important. And then bringing in the spiritual aspect mm-hmm. is really amazing. Yeah. So I've always been grateful. Uh, and we do that, you know, uh, when I was with Bill, it was called the Center for Christian Psychological Services. Okay. So, yeah. you know, I mean, he, he believed that let's it's put it title. right out there. You know, yeah. if somebody's looking for that, then they know where to find us right. rather than having sort of a stealth thing. It's not, I just go by my, my name now, but I'm very, yeah. you know, my, my uh, little catchphrase on my website is, uh, a licensed psychologist with a pastor's heart. So I that's love that. what I try to put that out, you know, because there's plenty of variety in the yeah. in the world of psychotherapy. So absolutely, yeah. and so that's another reason why it's important to do some shopping mm-hmm. sometimes. You bet. And finding the right person for mm-hmm. you. So you do a lot of um, a lot of marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep, I, okay. I would say. Oh, 20 or 30 percent uh, marriage or pre-marriage, and then the rest more individual. Okay. You know, kind of the classic depression, anxiety, yeah. OCD, and then uh, marriage work. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. amazing. And, yeah, and very important. <laughs> so what we were talking about kind of before mm-hmm. we started recording was some of the research that you that you find very helpful when you are, when you're talking with couples that are mm-hmm. in um, maybe some 
relational hardship facing divorce. And um, I'd love to to dig into those things a little bit. Um, you're really into the Gottman Institute, is that right? right? That's correct. Yeah, yep. yeah. So why, why don't you just share a little bit about that, and we'll see where the conversation takes us. Sounds good. Yeah, I, uh, I was pretty frustrated, frankly, with marriage counseling in the uh, late 1990s, early 2000s, and okay. had actu- actually had decided I wasn't going to do it anymore. <laughs> really? Yeah, because it was so discouraging and frustrating, and I always felt like I was just listening to everybody's fights that they'd had 27 times, and then they'd look oh, at me wow. like the... Uh, so like uh, fix it fix it or else de- declare one of us to be the jerk you know uh, oh, and I, wow. I finally started telling people you know if I'd want to be a judge I would have gone to law school and since huh. that's not what I did and I'm not <laughs> interested in adjudicating everybody's fights and so hmm. but in around 2000 it must have been around 2001 or 2 I'm, I'm guessing okay. and uh, I think it was actually some of my volunteer counselors uh, at the church I was at that said, have you seen this book? And it was, uh, it was Gottman's book, uh, The hmm. Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And this was completely new yeah. to me. So I, I kind of digested that and began to put it into, into practice. And hmm. then eventually in 2004, I actually went out to the Gottman Institute to complete the advanced training. Oh, that's so great. So we did the basic training uh, so long ago that it was on VHS. Oh, to, to, yes. Just to tell you, yes. And I am a millennial, and yes, <laughs> I remember VHSs. <laughs> Well, that was absolutely transformative wow. because it fit much more closely with my bent, which in the individual side yeah. tends to be cognitive behavioral. Okay. And so very okay. practical. You know, I like to do individual therapy that's practical, has uh, has a theory that and, and good research base to it right. rather than, you know, this is the last thing I thought of when I was, you know, <laughs> eating pizza and it'll probably right. work in my therapy. And, and okay. so... So really seeing the Gottman Institute um, level of research and clarity of theory to me was really huge. Yeah, so it gave you like words and mm-hmm. and practical aspects to take to your your marriage counseling right, right. and it sounded like it gave you hope mm-hmm. oh, for absolutely. marriage counseling it, it was very empowering because you yeah. kind of had a sense that you could you could now listen uh instead of instead of feeling like you're in the trench with the argument and and as lost as the couple mm. it was like being able to float over the top of it and watch for patterns and and uh, uh, look for where that argument fit into it uh, or or maybe not even an argument right. disagreement or, or just struggle where that fit in a larger template of, of the Gottman model if you will right, the paradigm right. and it made it was a very empowering sort of experience to really yeah. be able to see things and again that because of my background as a cognitive behavioral mm-hmm. uh, therapist that's helpful precisely yeah. because you have a, a theory you know what are you telling yourself yeah. and what you come to believe is going to uh, determine what you feel and what you do well that's that's a starting point in mm. individual and the Gottman framework allowed us to be thinking differently about uh, what we were seeing and hearing in front of us in with couples correct yeah wow that's amazing so so could you just give a quick overview sure on those seven those seven principles. Yep. People should read the book, maybe. People should yeah. read the book. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so uh, this, we're not going to certainly get in in depth, but but the the foundation of this mm-hmm. is that there are there's seven principles that create healthy marriages. Right. And if we're missing one of them, or or there's there's issues with mm-hmm. it, that can cause problems. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the reason that it, it's so empowering is that one of the one of the things that uh, if you read uh, his material or listen to him speak, uh, he and his wife uh, 
really wanted to approach it uh, from a research perspective. And so yeah, they, they, that's great. they said, okay, we have two groups of people. Okay. S- some get divorced and some stay married. That's a pretty radical observation, I realize. <laughs> They're also like 50-50. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And so they started interviewing people over time. And then they yeah. would watch them uh, in conflict situations, mm-hmm. non-conflict situations. I mean, they liter- literally set up a, an apartment where they could uh, record them uh, for 12 hours a day and just watch their interactions. And then as they, as they interviewed them. It's like a reality them, show or yeah, something, very much, right? very much. Wow. And then they would interview them over time, and they would have fights in front of them and arguments mm. and that sort of thing. Thing. Yeah, and then they they simply asked this question: Who stays married and who doesn't? And they tried to tease out then the variables that predicted whether you're going to be one of the masters of marriage, as they put it, huh. or the disasters of marriage. Wow, that's ra- I mean, they're just they're not they're not holding it back. No, no, and and uh, I I am intrigued with him uh, coming at it from a Christian perspective because I didn't know Dr. Gottman from okay. anywhere. Yeah. And it turns out that he is—he's uh, a practicing uh, Jew, and okay. so he comes at this uh, from a Jewish perspective right. of marriage being something that, uh, in his case, Yahweh instituted yeah. and wanting to be a good steward of it. Mm. Uh, that's not as much uh, in evidence in in his writing, but there's a, there's a few other interviews that I've seen where yeah. that's pretty obvious. And there's just a general worldview. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That you that you come at yep. your beliefs. So. Uh, I would summarize it this way, uh, rather than get into the specifics of the seven principles yeah. in, in, in real detail, okay. but the way I've, uh, when I frame it for a couple, uh, the, the, my take on it is imagine that you are, um, uh, your marriage or your relationship is, is a train riding on two tracks, and mm. the two rails are your marriage friendship and the ability to make decisions, problem solve, or resolve conflict. All right, so if you imagine the two rails of a railway being friendship and problem solving. Uh, that's that's the Steve Weiss summary, not the okay. John Gottman one. So <laughs> if you look for the train tracks in Got- Gottman, it's missing. But okay. but the reason it, it just is useful because then you realize that there's an interplay. Some people, uh, as they build their relationship, have a really really strong friendship, and yeah. uh, and some of the seven principles are really about the nature of the friendship. Hmm. And then other people, uh, ideally, you're able to make decisions and do problem solving and and come to conclusions together. Um, But you can run into a few problems. You know, sometimes people let their friendship erode. Right. And that messes up their ability to do problem solving. Okay. Some people discover that they have problems that they completely uh, are, are, are consistently come back to and never really gain an ability to resolve and that erodes the friendship so if you can imagine the the broad picture of Mm -hmm. you got to keep both rails solid yeah if you give if you get sloppy on the friendship or sloppy on the problem solving you're going to derail yeah so uh that's how i summarize the big picture and then get into the seven principles yeah and that's what you were facing when you were seeing couples having going through the same fight for exactly. 27 years exactly. that exactly. you were seeing an erosion of the conflict resolution, decision-making, yes. and then also the friendship. Yeah, and pretty wow. soon, sometimes they're really volatile, and yeah. it's really obvious, and they you know stomp, slam the door on the way out. Sometimes it would feel like you were sitting in a wake hmm. with just sort of a lot of sighing. You know, you, you're oh, staring wow. at, at uh, people 55 60 65 years old maybe 25 30 years of marriage and they're just depleted 
and like sad. Yeah, and they are living uh, the way Gottman would put it is they're living parallel lives. And so, wow. you know, not every divorce hmm. comes out of a messy, angry, you know, plate and cup throwing scenario. Yeah, that's sometimes true. at the end, in fact, those are the ones where sometimes you'll hear, "Did you hear the Johnsons got divorced?" What? I never saw them fight. Well, that's true. You never did. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't highly expressed. But anyway, that's yeah. a, a bit I, of a tangent. I, I recently just had um I had a premarital counselor on mm-hmm. this this series and he was talking about how when couples say that they never fight, he says, Well, you better start mm-hmm. or I'll f- find something mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. fight about because mm-hmm. being able to understand how that conflict is done is really important right because the conflict will come in the marriage exactly. it doesn't matter it's just a matter of when mm-hmm. and and so being able to figure all those things out beforehand mm-hmm. before marriage is really helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> um yep. but but then once you're in the marriage being able to continue to refine those skills and keep keep going forward right right like the train <laughs> yeah yeah well that, that's the ideal yeah so as i work with couples then if you want to kind of go a little bit more specifically Uh, if if you think about the friendship side first of all when when Gottman describes those in his in especially the seven principles book he talks about uh, three pieces of the friendship he calls them love maps fondness and admiration and turning toward okay fond uh, love maps fondness and admiration and turning toward I like to summarize it do you know me do you like me can we connect that's great. And and what he observed was that, you know, really, really solid friendships mm-hmm. uh, or, or relationships grow out of uh, increased knowledge of who the person is. They're, uh, the more you, you listen and, and get to know them, the more you like and appreciate them. Yeah. And then they, they develop the capacity to connect, you know, to turn okay. toward is his language. Yeah. And so good marriage relationships and actually good friendships of all kind have that that hmm. ongoing growing ability you know you're you're still knowing each other better at f- after 40 years or gotcha. two years you know there's yeah. an ongoing yep. who are we when we have teenage kids who are we when we are empty nesters hmm. that ongoing ability to to not just think oh I knew you when you were 28. You must be the same when you're 68, you know? There's a growth. <laughs> One would hope. Yeah. Anyway, right? Yes, yeah. Every, yeah. People change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so to continue to yep. go back to that. Okay. So so as we look at, uh, you know, the ideal, uh, the, the first of the three principles really revolves mm-hmm. around those, those three things. And okay. then the other observation that he made, and I'll just kind of make this a little bit quick uh, f- mm-hmm. for the sake of the, the brevity of the podcast, mm-hmm. but... He made a really crucial observation, and this is something that I don't think anybody else talks about. I could be wrong about that, okay. but at least Gottman was the first one that I ever was aware of. And that okay. was he made the observation that there are really two kinds of problems that people encounter in their friendships as well, but mostly, most importantly in their marriages. And he would mm-hmm. observe that we know what a solvable problem looks like, right? The couple is trying yeah. to decide what are we going to have for dinner, what show are we going to watch, uh, <laughs> and big stuff, you know, are we going to have kids or not, or if we're going okay. to, if yeah. we can't have kids, are we going to adopt? But any of those are, are what we call solvable problems. Right. In other words, there's an answer, a solution, a strategy that we can identify. And what he observed, though, as he had mm. people come back year after year after year, they, they began to realize that some of these conversations they'd heard before, Mm-hmm. Not in not in the detail, but in the under underlying patterns. And he said, you know, and he and his and his wife and the researcher said, 
we think that actually two-thirds of the problems that people encounter are what they called unsolvable or perpetual problems. Okay. One-third solvable, two-thirds perpetual. And okay. that insight is huge because anybody, if, if you've never heard this before and you're listening to this podcast and you're married or you know married people, yeah. ask the question, what are the recurring uh, conflicts, yes. arguments, or battles hmm. that have come up since you were engaged or dating or whatever, yeah. and those are the perpetual problems. Those perpetual things. They, okay. they, they exist because everybody has a personality, they have a history, <laughs> they have a family of origin, Yes. and mm -hmm. all of these things. They have wounds, they have strengths, all And of also these desires. Things. All of those and things. And plans, yep. Yep. and yeah. Every, and they're two individuals mm -hmm. in a relationship. Yep. Wow. So the the I think Gottman's well, I don't know if he would say this, but for me, mm -hmm. the, the, the primary contribution to our understanding of the dynamics of relationships is to be able to see, watch for the, yeah. the patterns of perpetual okay. problems. And, and he has a term for it. When, when people go round and round and round the same topic over and over and over and never get any results, yeah. he calls it gridlock. Yeah. So one of the ways that I work is to watch for and actually invite them to bring in their gridlocked perpetual problems. And they're probably the things that they don't want to talk about anymore. They've they've, they've been round and they've done it. It's now twenty seven years later, and they still don't want to talk about money. They okay. still don't want to talk yeah. about the in laws. They still don't want to uh, wow. discuss chores or clutter or who's going to clean the bathroom. It looks <laughs> it looks like a solvable problem, but underneath, and this is the key that that wow. okay. observed is that underneath are what he calls dreams. Dreams are the drivers yeah. of the emotion. Hmm. And it's and and uh, so dreams in conflict is his way of helping people discern what's really at stake yeah. in a gridlocked perpetual problem. So somebody has a dream mm -hmm. of something of of, of uh, like or, or like an ideal situation that Correct. would play out. Yeah, and then when those things aren't met, then then there's gridlock. Right. I, I summarize it when I when I talk to people about this. I, I will say, okay, so you have a conflict over yeah. clutter, let's say. Let's okay. bring it down to something that seems so benign. That why would Practical. you? Practical. Yeah. yeah. So you have a, a, a disagreement over how much clutter is okay. workable and, and, and where it should be, <laughs> Your right? Your socks are on the floor <laughs> again. <laughs> yes, you've been talking to my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You, you didn't I tell was me saying that. that generally, <laughs> I was saying that generally as an example. <laughs> there are no socks on the floor. I don't uh, think in here. <laughs> oh, but oh it's my. true. So, so, yeah. but but if it, if it brings up emotion, chances yeah. are that there. And this is the, these are the things: the dream. What's the dream, value, mm. ideal, belief, or priority? What's the dream, okay. value, ideal, belief, or priority? That when you think about clutter, or you think about money, or you think about in-laws, or you think about driving style, I mean, yes. it could be anything. Okay. Okay. That's what drives the emotion, and if it's emotionally significant, you have to figure out how to way how, how to negotiate workable compromise over time. Yeah. And that's the nature. That, that's what I try to get people yeah. to, to look at is how do we negotiate workable compromise? Okay. Not even have an argument because I, I. My bias is that I'm not a fan of argument in this context okay. because somebody's got to win an argument right. and somebody loses an argument. Right. But the idea of identifying your dreams in conflict and then negotiating a workable compromise, yeah. now that doesn't feel like a lose-lose or win-lose. Because it's not about the socks on the floor. Precisely. It's about it's about how that person wants to live. Exactly. How both people want to live. That's correct. And the, the value of 
you know, what their house looks like. Exactly. Yeah. Or the family of origin and like mm-hmm. all that stuff. Sure. Okay. Wow. That's really, that's really interesting. Yep. So that's the majority of kind of the, or the core of what you want to get at. Correct. When you do premarital count or I'm sorry, marriage, marriage counseling, actually and premarital both. counseling. Actually yeah. both. And here's, here's the beauty of, of applying this to pre-marriage. What, yeah. I'll, we'll t- what I will tell a, a couple when you start to plan your wedding, when you start to mm-hmm. think about what this is going to look like after we get married, now is the time you'll probably begin to identify some classic <laughs> perpetual problems that you didn't even know existed. Right. And and many times it's in the wedding prep that you yeah. discover these things. And so I don't make a joke of it, but I warn them in advance that once you have yeah. to start having to make decisions about the wedding, chances are you're going to discover some. Well, and that's that's the that's what's so good about the engagement time. Yes. The engagement should be a time where your relationship is kind of put in a pressure cooker to think, okay, can it withstand all these things? Exactly. And you know, planning a wedding is a great example of a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and including family in those decisions can also be very stressful. And so um, so of course those things are going to come to the surface at times and right. it's so much better to, to not just say, well, I guess I don't care about flowers, mm-hmm. but to say, okay, so that could be an issue. This could mm-hmm. be something that could be carried into the mm-hmm. marriage and then, you know, save the, <laughs> save the 20 years of fights right, about, right. about that thing. Right. Yeah. And actually it, it, the, the specific thing is important but even more important is right. developing the capacity to have to to identify okay we're gridlocked that means their dreams yeah. in conflict that means we have to start thinking about why this is emotionally significant to hmm. me and then how do we talk about that in a way that's respectful and leads to effective compromise yeah. so it's okay. really a how would I put it it it's not micromanaging the decision. It's learning yeah. a strategy for identifying perpetual problems and becoming extremely skilled at uh, negotiating yeah. your way through them. And in fact, that's what Gottman observed. He, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't teach people to do that. As he watched okay. people do it, he just realized, oh, the Johnsons are talking once again about parenting. Hmm. Here we have, we've, every time they come in, once a year, we interview them and they're always talking about parenting. Gotcha. And th- that's because he's really lenient and she's really strict. And, and they, they have a value, a, dr- a dream. Ha- they ha- That's correct. They have a okay. dream about how to parent and they have to keep coming back to it. Well, okay. now, what does that look like with a 12-year-old? What does it look like with a 16-year-old? What does it look like with a boy? What does it look like? Anyway, yeah. You get the, you get In the this picture. situation, when mm-hmm. there's a when there's yeah. this report card and yes. all of that stuff, exactly. wow. Okay, this is this is a way. I mean, understanding this concept mm-hmm. is, or you know, getting help with yes. this with this kind of gridlock is a way of preventing divorce. Precisely. And, and I would say that, in fact, when I, when I work with couples, I'll, I'll turn them loose to do the first part of the, yeah. the, the, the book on their own if they can do it. You know, yeah. They can do the love maps. They can do the okay. fondness and admiration stuff. They can work on turning toward. I mean, I'm happy to coach them, but yeah. I don't feel like I need to hold hands there. But most of the time, what they need okay. is somebody to facilitate the dreams discussions, because a lot of times it's a completely new concept. They just mm. want to have another argument. I tell them, I'm, you know, I'm just not interested anymore. I'm too want, old for this. I, I don't want to sit here while you guys are fighting. No, it's just no fun. Let's just, let's, let's stop the fighting and yeah. get to the issue. Yeah. Get to the real heart of it. Yeah. Do you ever find that there's couples that 
one person doesn't want to be there, one person does. Oh yeah, absolutely. How do you handle that? Or or do you do you ever encounter it where it's just one person that comes because the other person won't? Yes, both of the above. Okay. And and here again, if you had asked me that pre Gottman, I would have said, I don't think there's anything I can do for you, uh, you know, wow. Mary okay. or Mary or Bob. If you're gonna be yeah. here by yourself, I don't know what we can do. It's still challenging but now yeah. we can at least say okay to what in what ways are you contributing to the problems in the marriage mm-hmm. and if you can look at you know like are you well one of the things we, we didn't touch on was uh, on the negative side uh one of the things that Gottman observed is that when when uh he called them the four horsemen of the apocalypse yeah okay okay so let's jump to that real quick Let, we got to talk about that yep he he said when when people fight once he starts seeing criticism contempt defensiveness and stonewalling or stonewalling so criticism contempt defensiveness or stonewalling these are the four horsemen if they're not remedied he uh, he, dun, he apparently dun, read dun. Uh, revelation because yeah. it's the, the beginning of the end of history for the yes. marriage right well, if I'm working with an individual, I can I can actually challenge them to. So, are you managing your interaction in a yeah. way that does not contribute to the four horsemen? Because if yeah. you're doing, uh, you know, c- criticism or contempt, you're yeah. contributing negatively. Now, we can't mm. we can't get your husband or your wife to behave themselves, perhaps, but at mm-hmm. least you're not contributing. Or and then in that case, it's not your job to say, well, they're right. doing this, they're stonewalling, exactly. and point that out because they're not there to defend themselves. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. But it can be empowering for people to realize, okay, well, at least I'm going to look at myself in the mirror and say, well, I stopped being critical. Mm -hmm. Or I'm trying to not argue. I'm trying to actually ask, why is this emotionally significant? You know, they can do the dreams discussion uh, from their side of things. Well, because it's also clear that if they're there, Mm -hmm. and... if they're there, they're, the, the marriage is important to them. And that's not Correct. to say that the other per, that the marriage right. isn't important to the person that's maybe not there right. or doesn't want to be there, yeah. but um, but they're willing to fight, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, to answer your other question, what if you have a reluctant partner? One of the reasons I like the Gottman stuff is mm-hmm. if I sense that it's a, it's a reluctant partner, I listen for about 10 or 15 minutes to the history of the marriage, mm-hmm. and then I, I actually do probably 15 or 20 minutes of, okay, if you want to work on this, this is what we would do. Because okay. Just lay it out there. Yep. This here's, is, the, yeah. here's the paradigm. Here's the model. This okay. is where we're going to focus our attention. Because a lot of times the reason they don't want to be here is they don't want to get reamed again. They don't want to have their partner, their spouse complain to the counselor and then the counselor looks at them and, and sees them and as an idiot yeah you're yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, because that's the you know too often that's the uh-huh. the model that that whether it's accurate or not it's the image of what marriage hmm. counseling looks like right right and uh or it's and just the fear <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah it's the the fear that that's what it's going to be or mm-hmm. i'm going to feel shame sure because of because oh yeah of this. absolutely yeah yeah or the f- fear of being being vulnerable mm-hmm. or, i mean there's a lot to it yeah for sure yeah so I find it really helpful in when you have one or both that are kind of reluctant yeah. because then they know exactly what they're getting into. They mm. realize that it's kind of up to them. You know, if they want to do some study, if they want to do some work outside of the the sessions yeah. uh, and bring some material in, and we're, we'll walk our way through the the gridlock problems. Well, that's what we'll do then. And if you're up for it, great. If you're not, at least you know what you would have had had you yeah. stayed. I've I've told many people. Anyone in marriage, I think anyone should do it. I think mm-hmm. anyone should should do marriage counseling, mm-hmm. even even whether it's you know whether there's 
real conflict mm-hmm. if you're in a crisis in mm-hmm. your marriage or not. I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be the most important thing that, that you could communicate to a couple that is married, maybe listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. maybe things are hard, maybe mm-hmm. they're sort of okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be something that you would that you would want to encourage someone to seek out in marriage counseling? Well, I, I is I, obviously I'm pretty biased towards the, the mm-hmm. Gottman material primarily because it it also helps you if you're an athlete uh, or if you if you're on a sports team and the team keeps winning. I, I suspect it's still good to look at the game films and see why you oh, keep yeah. winning. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so not if, to say well, let's just keep going. Right. Doing Be, this because yeah. a lot of times uh, people are doing well, but it's yeah. more intuitive. They okay. and and so it's harder for them to be as intentional. And so yeah. sometimes I think something like the Gottman material uh, really helps you go oh. Wow, no wonder we're, we're, we feel good in this situation. Hmm. No wonder, you know, we're actually quite good at that. But then it allows you to be more intentional about yeah. it. But certainly, there are other things that that uh, I incorporate in. You know, the the, the material on love languages, for example, okay. allowing uh, allowing a couple to learn a bit more. Maybe they intuitively understand it, or they've even alluded to it. But mm-hmm. you know, you actually have them do a, an inventory, and and they discover, oh, no wonder. Uh, this doesn't work very well because this is what you mean by quality time. And, right. And I thought quality time was watching another Marvel movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sitting in the same living room. Mm-hmm. And no, actually not. It's caribou sitting across. Uh, having a real conversation. A, a real conversation. That's yeah. what it is for me. <laughs> That's, yeah. Why like am I I'm, shocked by if that? I'm, if I'm watching a movie with someone, I'm like, I, I do not feel connected to you. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm just, that's just not my thing. Yep. Yeah. But having those practicalities, right. those those um, real tangible to I say, this I, is how you need love from me. I think there's uh, that we uh, I would say that there have been a lot of good uh, teaching yeah. books, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that in the in the sort of normal range of uh, what would you call it? Marriage enhancement. Um, we actually only got halfway through it with our with the group, small group, but there was a book called Cherish, and I wish I could remember the name of the authors right now, but I can't. I'll look it up. <laughs> uh, Cherish. I mean, another, you know, little structured kind okay. of, let's read this and talk about it sort of a yeah. thing, uh, and it had some, had some good material. Uh, but certainly, both in the secular mm-hmm. world and in the Christian world, there are Lots and lots of yeah. books that are geared towards, uh, call it marriage enhancement, yes, rather than crisis management right. in marriage. Well, I think that's just such a, a wonderful way to live, mm-hmm. especially in the most precious thing on this earth that we could be given. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from our salvation, mm-hmm. it's the heart of another person. It's this beautiful covenant. And so we have got to take care of it. We have to, um, we have to really cherish it mm-hmm. and cherish the covenant and cherish right. the heart of the other person too and so i think i think that that's really beautiful of what you um with what you bring to um to marriage counseling mm-hmm. and premarital counseling as well yeah i ran across a quote and i wish i could remember who it was from but i used used to use it in the introduction to the pre-marriage material I, it goes something like always remember that marriage is the closest thing to the afterlife that we're going to encounter on earth one way or the other. Oh man, it's too accurate. It's too accurate. So if we're if we oh, have a choice, my. why not have have yes. the kind of afterlife like experience as yes. heaven rather than the alternative? No, it's so but, true. Yeah. It's so true. And yeah. 
and getting help, getting mm-hmm. people to speak into it is will also mm-hmm. help with that because we're not right. supposed to do salvation. We're not supposed to do our Christian right. life alone. Right. So, you know, we're not supposed to do our marriage life alone either. Right. Right. <laughs> Probably drawing too many mm. parallels to mm. salvation yeah. and, 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 right. our, and our and our relationships, but. Yeah, I think that this this topic is so important and mm-hmm. so um, just so valuable. So I really appreciate your time and um, and bringing this, bringing all of this up. And I'll definitely be putting um, any information that you brought sure. up in the show notes for mm-hmm. people to find. But mm-hmm. but if if um, if there's people in the Twin Cities area, mm-hmm. they can certainly reach out to you yep. if you um, if if they're looking for marriage counseling or independent mm-hmm. or just personal mm-hmm. personal care in that way. Finding a good counselor is kind of everything yes i'm grateful that by this uh, when i first started the the number of identified christian counselors in the in the mm-hmm. twin cities area in the, in the mid to late 80s was pretty limited and I, yeah. I have to say that i'm very grateful that we have a wealth of, of yeah. good people out there various approaches and and obviously geographic uh, yeah. areas but it's it's nice that we, we have a we have a lot of good people That's trying great. to do good work out there that's so important. It's so good, and um, and so there is hope. Mm-hmm. There's hope for couples. Yes. At any and and really, I, I want to just really be sure to say that mm-hmm. that even if there are those four horsemen, absolutely in your relationship, even if even if the the divorce papers have been signed, mm-hmm. there is hope, and and there there can be redemption in these relationships. Do you have just a maybe? Do you, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but do you have any stories like that? of real hope for for relationships without obviously without going into mm-hmm. detail with the situations but i can't uh, i guess i'm not thinking of, of specifics and i'd have to be careful about of confidentiality course, yeah. anyway but certainly uh there are there are situations where long marriages with long mm-hmm. unfortunately long histories of erosion yeah uh have been restored uh using uh especially, like I said, the, the Gottman material. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the reason for that is that it, it is important to recognize there are extreme cases. And I think if I remember from, from when, when I was out in Seattle at the Gottman Institute, they, they were pretty quick to observe that this is all great research and so on. Yeah. But if there are one of these four A's, they call them, uh, present, uh, we have to remedy that before we okay. can do material or do okay. marriage rest- restoration like this. So and the four A's are the? Abuse. Okay. This is this is a little different yes. tangent, okay. but when there's uh, abuse, you know, yep. emotional, physical abuse, addictions, okay. affairs, or abandonment. Okay, oh, wow. think about the four A's. So, Oof. abuse, addiction, yep. affairs, and abandonment. When that's present, you can be. That's like the, uh, I don't know, stage five cancer, if yeah. you will. Uh, now, now you have to deal with that before yep. you can even think about. Uh, sort of a marriage restoration thing now it can be done and and certainly if i were to say the things that have been most gratifying maybe not because the the divorce papers were signed but Hmm. sitting across from people for example where unfaithfulness has been a factor or Mm -hmm. somebody has been abusive and then gotten help for that and now we're trying to get back to a place of restoration that sort of a thing um people that have been uh, through treatment and now are coming back to the marriage and trying to yeah. do it right or do it well, sober or straight, yes. you know, these kinds yeah. of things. And um, so, but but I think that's important to recognize yeah, as well. Yeah, that's a really when, good when point. When we have those, one of those four present, yep. 
then that has to be remedied because that's the, if you think about in medical terms, there are acute things that are going to hmm. kill you in the ER, and then there are yeah. chronic things you have to manage once you do that. So if you get a, you know, a, a, an arterial bleed, yeah. it doesn't really matter how many broken bones you've right. got. You've got to stop the bleeding. Yes. And I think the four A's are like a, a, an arterial bleed in yeah. a relationship. And there's triage in, in the exactly. ER. Absolutely. That is, that's Absolutely. something you got to, you're doing first aid yes. on those things. Yep. Or, or it's going, you know, it will end your life. It will yep. end your marriage. Yeah. But certainly I have seen uh, situations where they've, you know, the first, first session, anger, uh, dismay, disbelief, you know, post-affair things. Mm, and I've done yeah. a fair amount of work with that over the, over the years. Rebuilding trust. Yep, all Oof. of those things. But often, often what we discover is that underneath that was a difficulty uh, or, or yeah. looking at it through the Gottman lens mm. allows us to understand why they arrived at a place of vulnerability to begin with. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to that. Yes. There's a lot to that. And um, yeah, and a, a, I think a very important point is that if someone is not safe physically, mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. emotionally, that um, that they need to get safe, mm-hmm. that, that, that that, you know, in and of itself, get separation, get, yep. get help. Yes. Because again, we're not supposed to go at this alone and your safety is very important. It's very yes. important. So, yeah, all of that said, I mean, there was a lot covered in this. Yes. I'm so grateful for your dense. time. It was really, really good. good. And um, and I know that this this is a very, very important topic and, and something that, that couples and individuals can really seek out to, to get that help because it's available. Mm-hmm. We're so blessed to live in a country or, you know, mm-hmm. wherever we are yes. <laughs> to, um, to be able to seek out this kind of emotional, physical help yes. um, from, from the issues in our marriage and just personally as well. So yes, thank you so much, Steve. You I so welcome. appreciate you. Thank you. Wow. I really hope that you guys enjoyed that episode. I know I really did. Talking with Steve was just such a such a joy for me um, to really just dig into all these aspects of, of struggling marriages and what does this mean and how is this stuff avoidable. I know there was a lot of things talked about in this episode, but I really hope that it's helpful for you. I really do. It, I know it was helpful for me, and I'm not even married, <laughs> but I know that divorce prevention is possible and digging into counseling as a couple could be so important so but I do want to encourage you guys to pick up that book um, the seven principles of making marriage work I think that could be really really great and helpful for you guys I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you find this podcast helpful in any way just informative and and restorative even please please subscribe to this podcast. If you listen on iTunes, there's a big old subscribe button. It's purple. You can just click on that and give this a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps me out so much because I want and believe that this podcast is a platform for hope and for bringing restoration to other people. So if this resonates with you, please give it a rating, give it a review, and then share it with a friend. That would mean so much to me. Share it with a friend, let people know about it, and then we can continue doing this. We can continue on this journey of bringing hope and instilling hope in one another because God has already extended healing to us, you guys. Also, if this podcast, if this ministry is something that resonates with you, this takes funds. And if you are interested in partnering with me financially, partnering with Hope Reclaimed financially, you can do that on my Patreon page. You guys are incredible. You're amazing. There is always hope.
because remember, hope is my middle name. We'll see you next week.